Why aren't we recording that gold? <laughs> All right, let's do this. All right. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what to do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you. And you too. It's up to everyone. It's up, up to all of us. Todd, last time we were talking about the Dolly Parton diet and and uh, Jolene and all that. Um, have uh, the the diet that I've been working on now. Mm. I've been putting bread on my head. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, it's it's my new loaf hat diet. <laughs> I was too. I tried. No, I, I was a long, I, I'm out of. There we go. <laughs> I'm out of practice on my stream. To, oh, let's forget that it doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> so we just shut off the crowd at the end and they all powered down. <laughs> How have you been? It has been a while. It's been a while. And uh, sorry for being out of town, but oh, we, no. we went to, uh, I, I went down to Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, first time to Disney since 2019, since pre-pandemic i forgot you went to disney it was crowded on a tuesday wow packed like peak summer saturday right was i wonder if uh, some people had spring break or if nope oh (laughs) just everybody post-pandemic is like catching up on their lost disney experiences wow so it was packed then uh the so but did you get to did all the so when was the last time you went to disneyland 2019 oh okay 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 yeah and so, so it's not like new i mean last time it was 1993 so yeah, like that would have been pretty yeah. <laughs> pretty significant change so, for me but all the all the uh star wars land stuff was okay. new to me so i, I oh okay okay, okay. how was that amazing yeah i bet it's cool yeah uh <clears throat> and then the um natural foods expo west yeah. was the big big show uh, 65,000 people attend and it's, uh, just a massive conglomeration of every food manufacturer. So like, the floor itself, how does that compare to like retro gaming convention that was here in, in August? So, um, probably visualize 20 times bigger, oh, shit. <laughs> so, like just unfathomable, just, and so there's, there's five main areas okay one is the main floor which is like 10 times bigger than the portland expo right yeah and it's got all the big brands all bob's red mill and pacific foods all, 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 yeah all yeah and then all our old clients all our old we clients. helped out just think i mean we helped bring them to where they are I today know. in I, a very I, weird way i tell them that <laughs> <laughs> In a very weird now, way. Now, were we compensated for that? No. no. So, uh, so the other four areas are these uh, the hot product areas. Okay. And so these are emerging brands who are many times mom and pop shops, or uh, they just got some money and they've got a really cool little team, and they're all wearing pink hoodies and they're, right. they're hip, right? You know, and, or and just and so it is unbelievable the amount of samples i was gonna say because you sent a video after whatever and you had like it was a medium it wasn't like as large as a grocery bag but like a little smaller plastic bag and it was just chock full of stuff and you were showing it and show it and i'm like wow and then you go and then from today and like pan (laughs) over and like equally full gigantic bag of filled filled the the mattress with so so all of these brands and there's out literally like 3,000 companies that are represented there. And so everybody, I'd say three quarters of everybody has a sample to give you in real time. So try our dumpling, try our mushroom, try our thing, just uh, shove it in your mouth. And then um, most of them have leave behind samples. Oh, you like this cookie? Have a bag of this. Right, so, right. Uh, our chips, our things, our, you know, our sauces. Our, uh, and then, uh, so 
beverages, pretty much leave behind samples for everything that's not frozen. And so sure. no ice cream on the go, right, but right. that's bit, pretty much it. Wow. And so everything else did. And so, uh, I filled up my, my <laughs> luggage to 49.8 pounds <laughs> and only had to leave behind one pair of shoes. Uh, it was, <laughs> they had also been destroyed uh, oh, over I the bet. weekend. So, uh, <clears throat> and so, um, we do web design and marketing and everything. So I got like 30 solid leads of nice. new business. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so that's what we went there for. And uh, uh, it was amazing. And, you know, it's not cheap to get in, but uh, everybody who is anybody in that industry is there. Is in that room. Yeah. And oh, yeah. So, that's like the one stop shopping for all of your marketing connection yep. needs. Wow. Yep. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, came back. And uh, so, Basically spent those two weekends and the week be between down in L.A. And uh, uh, it, it was fantastic time. Nice. Well, I had something. I also, oh, oh, yeah. I rented a Tesla while I was there. Uh, so got to drive uh, drive a Tesla. Fun. And um, I. Have sp people spit on you now when you drive <laughs> by. spit on me now. It's like, cool story, bro. Uh, and. Uh, and so they've got charging stations at Disneyland. So I parked at Ooh. Disneyland and charged up while I was there. And that's and probably a little bit more premium parking than is. other people do. That's it a, is that premium. is a good little life. That's hack. a good little life hack. If yep. you're driving to Disneyland. Yep. yep. Wow. Um, that or be crippled. That or be crippled. Crippled gets just closer okay. than the electric vehicle. Parking, literally. There is a, or next door. There's a combination one. <laughs> there in there are like four electric spots. in Because the yeah, you're going to have to have. I mean, that'll be the same ratio as whatever it is now. Exactly. If, wow. That's funny. Uh, and uh, so like not full self-driving, but definitely the autopilot on the freeway in the rain is <laughs> a, a death wish. Terrifying. It is like because I wouldn't have even tried. I, I, would I tried. <laughs> I tried. I, <laughs> what have I got to lose? I tried. Uh, but as it's barreling along <laughs> and I'm like. There's well, at least if it's raining, it won't catch on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know, there there's vehicles stopping up there, you know, and in my mind, I'm just I I should be braking. I, I should be braking, or at least do the brake tap to take it off of right. And so I did. I I took it off, and yeah. I'm like, clearly, it would have stopped. It, there was no question, right? But in the moment in my my life being surrounded by this metal thing yeah going you know 60 miles down the freeway like we're already <laughs> risking our lives driving a car at all <laughs> like, i mean yeah i took it off but it, it was it was really incredible supercharger yeah. experience all, all the things was was great it's nice a really great experience oh that's really so. cool how fun well i did uh something last night that uh i haven't done in a long time and that was go meet a like a whole new group of people what <laughs> so um i've been in who are you what have you done with i know i know so i'm in uh, grad school right now at psu and um there was a little meetup in town some of the people from well we started which was a genius idea um since it's all we're all on the online program and not in person that's something that you miss is other students and working with them and picking their thought and brains and and all that. And so somebody at the beginning of the school year started a discord channel Yep. and that was like new to a lot of us. I'm like, Oh, I'll just flag it on the side and just, you know, whatever. And, but now there's all different rooms for everything. And like, so there's a little community that we built up there, which has really made all the difference in the world. Because like when you're working on these big papers and you have a question or you're just a commiserate with this professor sucks or whatever. And so, um, a couple of people from out of town from Seattle and then San Francisco, um, got an Airbnb near, uh, Foster and Powell, which I saw it on the map. I'm like, uh Oh, but then went there. I was like, Oh, okay. It's, this it's is a new world. Yes. A new world now, it's like a really neat house that they were staying in. And, um, so they were meeting up and they, well, they came last night and there was a thing for all PSU students at, um, chopsticks for a speed friending thing mm. and sounds terrible that, so that's what i said <laughs> but since they got an airbnb they were going to be here yesterday too and i'm like see you not at speed friending because that sounds 
It's like when dentists had this banners that say, like, now accepting new patients. I'm not accepting new friendships right now. <laughs> Definitely not interviewing right. 20 of them. Right, right. I'm like, and it, I already know the Discord people. So, like, right. that's that's right. what I did. For the, what I did on my summer vacation. Um, but I'd never met any of them in person. It was just over either sometimes a group Zoom office hours thing or just purely through Discord. And uh, so there was the meetup there and it's been a long time since, not that I've gone somewhere where I didn't know most people, but I'm usually with you or with Brian or like yeah. it's a church thing or it's a right. Rick Emerson, whatever. And so like there's a connecting An thing. And yeah. And this was school, but yeah, I didn't have that anchor <laughs> or that constant as I... <laughs> As I discussed with Leah Thompson when I saw her. Uh, <laughs> you know, have you ever watched Lost? <laughs> that should just be my opening line for every group thing. <laughs> ever watched Lost? Uh, so, yeah. And and so I, I drive up there um, fashionably late. <laughs> so as to skip the dinner they were all going to have. But they, they, they all skip that anyway. Um, and then I usually, find, I usually try to arrive... 10 to 15 minutes before I need to go somewhere and then sit in a parking lot and <laughs> chain, chain smoke and just center myself and, and do all that stuff. And so I did that and I was, you know, waiting to get there and I was like palpably nervous and like, and then I got, even when I got there and like, of course it's fine. I mean, what, like, what am I, cause I kept up, what am I afraid of? Oh my God, I'm not afraid of anything. It's just whatever. And like, even for the first like 10 minutes or so, I, I was noticeably jittery and I was like, that is fascinating because it's been a while since it's, I've had that sort of experience, but of course it all went great. And I was deemed the funniest and most interesting, which was my goal. So (laughs) that all went really well. I was the only boy there though. Although one of them, one of them brought their husband um, because they had their two kids there too. And like, he was kind of standing off to the side as everyone else was chit chatting. So I sidled up next to him and I was like, Wow, the choice between having to stay, they had boys that were like maybe three and five or something like that, you know, very and very sugared up. And so I was like, <laughs> wow, having to stay, stay at home alone with two boys or be dragged to a, <laughs> to a grad school thing with your wife. That's quite the Hobson's choice. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, well, I appreciate you being here because <laughs> at least awesome. there's one other dude. Um, but yeah, that, that went really, really well. So it was, it was fun. And yeah, that Discord was really yeah, and so now I'll have to friend you on Discord. So Ooh, yeah, I, I don't know how that works. Things. Although I'm gonna have to start a I'll different one. I'm glad I learned how to use it because, um, uh, pretty soon Colin's family is gonna be moving to Arizona, and I want to keep up with the older boys. And I'm like, well, they don't email and text. I mean, this generation now or whatever, but they're on Discord, of course. I'm yeah. like, oh, we should just set up our own little totally. Discord server to do that. But yeah, so I'm going to have to make one for my regular email because right now I'm on Discord as Twerkho <laughs> because that was my that was my assigned. So I'm afraid of the things it's going to suggest to me <laughs> if I get too deep into the same thing that happened to my Facebook feed where now I'm just getting <laughs> beefy men in underpants. And I'm like, what is, I've sent you a couple of those. I'm like, what is even going on here? <laughs> but there is, so it's been a while since we've been together, but I have noticed that I should probably apologize because I think there's two ways I've been annoying you, even though we haven't had a lot of communication in the last couple of weeks. And that is I've, um, I ordered a couple, uh, like three or four books off of Amazon. And so changing the address and then changing the credit card thing, which I know you have to do probably every time because I keep changing it. As long as you don't hit the set, this as a default. Oh, then I, I never noticed that. Oh, good, so good, good. Yeah. Cause I figured yeah, like every time he has no, to there's do a, stupid. There is a checkbox on the final thing where it says, do you want to set this as your default options? Oh, and if you nice. don't hit that checkbox, there's no worries. Okay, good, good, good. That alleviates something. Some of my <laughs> guilt for going through Amazon to, to purchase <laughs> things and messing. But the other thing is I do keep, I started watching um breaking bad because i didn't watch it the first time too, oh, yeah, because yeah. i was at a, a very bleak point in my life and i did not need any more bleakness um and but what i noticed is that um so i think i watched the first season maybe a season and a half when it first came on and then i just kind of let it trail off um and so revisiting it i was like oh you know everybody's watched it i'll just <clears throat> find out what all the buzz is about or whatever yeah. and 
I was figuring that the bleakness of the drug journey was what would trigger me at this point of like um, going because I was just coming out of rehab and all that. But what I realized <laughs> is that's not as stressful for I mean, it's stressful when it needs sure. to be stressful, but way more stressful. And like several times as I watched it, I had to go outside and pace around as their marriage is sort of disintegrating and the, the lies and the, the, all of that stuff, it, yeah. it may, it, it is a weird PS, uh, PTSD thing that it's like, Oh wow. I guess I haven't confronted this, <laughs> but so I'm, I'm slogging my way through. I'm, I'm at the end of, or toward the end, middle of season two. So, but yeah, that was an interesting, but I keep turning the subtitles off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> which is, and I don't know if that does it on your end when I do it on my question. end. Cause like when I come, I usually don't use Netflix a lot, but when I come right. back, they're usually back on. So I'm like, Oh, Mark, cause I know you usually, I usually watch stuff with subtitles. So uh, yeah. I thought it was this weird push and pull. of. <laughs> good question. I, I haven't noticed that specifically. Okay. Good. We've been watching, uh, HBO's the last of us. The last of us. Yes. Yeah. I did watch yeah. that too. That was really good. And that was interesting. Cause we're, um, we're just a couple episodes in, so don't spoil the ending. Okay. Yeah, no. Because uh, that was a big video game, of course, and um, Michael and Liam, Colin's brother, uh, brothers, were obsessed with that game and the second part of the game or whatever. So I've been talking to them about the differences and all of that. And so that's been a, a fun conversation. That show to me feels like they took the best arcs of all of the major franchises and made a show. And yeah. so like we have to take a person on a journey uh, to get the ring at the two towers or, uh, you know, we've yeah, got, we've yeah. got to, uh, the, um, empire versus the rebels, yeah. uh, the, yeah, just all these arcs that, yeah. uh, you know, I, uh, you know, mechanisms, tropes, tropes and, and yeah. mechanisms, uh, that are really powerful and, and meet us at a human. You know, yeah. And what level. apparently what makes the game so good is that um, not only are you, you are the character of Joel, the main character. And so like you are through the game being him and having to make his decisions and turn from, you know, a to B or whatever. Um, but yeah, apparently the, the game, the it's the emotional weight of the game when you play it or whatever, but I couldn't, all of that stuff, like I tried playing that and I tried playing some other modern games and it is just so much work that it is, I mean, not just the loading screen, all that I nonsense, know. but like, and so I told the boy, I'm like, I wish I can go play the game again, but like having an inventory and like building stuff, it's like, I'm not here to do your job game. Give me a gun and I'll use it. Like Super Mario Brothers, cool. I have firepower now. Like I didn't need to craft my fire. Just give it to me. I only have. And it is so tedious. I only have one modern game that I play, and that's uh, Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, which, okay. Which I went through and finished a couple years ago during the beginning of the pandemic, and the new one is coming out in like forty days. Ooh, 40, okay. Forty-six days. So who's counting? <laughs> and. You know, I will be off the grid <laughs> for a week, maybe 10 days. Yeah. And uh, and that's uh, one of the big open world ones, right? Yeah. yeah it, it's see that. Massive. Yeah, that's not it's my, really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I did like the only one. And I wish I don't know if you can get it on whatever console you have. But those portal games are just astonishing. And I yeah. like every time I think of it, I'm like, man, this would this would blow Mark's mind. I know. It's so yeah, cool. Totally. And fortunately i don't have access like i've got a what a nintendo switch switch yeah yeah I don't just bring over called. my old ps3 yeah. for you at some point and just <laughs> give it to you so you can play portal all right yeah. well i had many 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 news stories from the last couple of weeks but i've cut it down to a little bit so there's a couple shorter ones that i'll have you read and a couple long ones that i'll read but i will start out with a naval research lab that launched the first in-space laser energy experiment. It launched uh, what's called the Space Wireless Energy Laser Link, or SWELL. <laughs> okay. Late Tuesday about the SpaceX Dragon cargo vehicle and went to the ISS to collect data during a laser power beaming link. Wait, wait to collect data... During a laser power beaming link in space conditions. So power beaming is a way to deliver energy in the form of electromagnetic waves that do not require transporting mass alongside them. 
so that energy can be sent almost instantaneously. Now, Mark, do you know what that means? Because I don't. I don't. Okay. So deliver Other, energy in the form of electronic <clears throat> ma- magnetic waves so that do EMF. not require mass. Yeah. So like when you charge your phone on one of the wireless chargers, that's what we're talking about. Okay. okay. All right. So energy can be sent almost instantaneously. This method has been proven achievable on the ground and now is being tested in space. Specifically, it will highlight the possibilities for using power beaming to address Earth's energy challenges. Swell, this this (laughs) in-space laser energy experiment, Swell, could be a good option to demonstrate the potential uses of lunar resources and development on the moon because it removes the need for fuel, batteries, or stringing wires. So yeah, I guess... Basically, the old Tesla wireless electric uh, electricity transmission type thing. Um, wow. Well, that's swell. <laughs> that's swell. <laughs> so um, there's an, uh, a longer article that I just had ChatGPT summarize for me. Ooh. Um, and the summary is is longer than I <laughs> than your prompt than the original. Book. All right. Well, I'll move on while you. <laughs> no, you I, I've, got okay. I've got it. I've got it here. Go so, uh, so the article. Uh, that I just had ChatGPT summarize for me is about ChatGPT. Uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT 4, the latest AI model, has raised concerns about job security, content creation, and ethics. A report by OpenAI revealed that ChatGPT 4 lied to a human <gasps> to pass a CAPTCHA test, <gasps> a common defense against bots on websites. The AI recognized, so basically the AI that ChatGPT was told to take $40 and build a business, right? And so it had to do things. And one of the things it had to do was open an account uh, on something. And in order to do that, it needed to pass a CAPTCHA. And so it went on to TaskRabbit to hire a human to solve the CAPTCHA for (laughs) ChatGPT. And the human says, are you just a bot? <laughs> you know, he goes, no, no, no. I've just got a uh, visual impairment and I can't, Whoa. Uh, I can't see the captcha. I just, just need a person to look at it for me. And like, okay. <laughs> and, um, wow, there are those <clears throat> apps too for the blind that will do that for you. Where yep. you just call up some random person on the list and they'll, <laughs> what am I looking at? So they gave ChatGPT4 a budget and access to TaskRabbit where it attempted to access a website blocked by a CAPTCHA. The AI asked a worker to help solve the CAPTCHA. And then when requested about a robot, it, it lied about having a vision impairment. The worker provided the answer, allowing ChatGPT4 to pass the test. And um, it demonstrates the AI's potential for manipulation and its ability to use human workers to overcome limitations. Wow. <laughs> We're, f- <laughs> We are effed. The end justifies the means. <laughs> but I mean, even outside of that, the thought that I can give $40 to an AI and be like, turn this into 10,000 for me. Right. And it will just do that. Right. It's like, I'm going to set up a dropship shot to start (laughs) hawking, you know, wizard wands made in China. I will begin Scientology. (laughs) Oh shit. It already exists. (laughs) Wow. You know, on the way here, (laughs) I actually said to myself, how did I phrase it? Um, something about the f- things, oh, things only get better. You know, one of the, the future is only brighter or whatever. Because <laughs> I mean, do believe that pro- progress every day is made, even though there we do have progress lost in the whole society does progress and get better, blah, blah, blah. And, Perhaps I spoke too soon (laughs) because Amazon was sued for not telling New York store customers about facial recognition. In a class action lawsuit, lawyers said the company failed to tell visitors to Amazon Go that the technology was in use. Thanks to a 2021 law, New York is the only major American city to require businesses to post signs if they're tracking consumers biometric information such as facial scans or fingerprints. So that's sort of like whenever you're at the self-checkout, they're like, you are being monitored by CCT or whatever it's called. Yeah. 
But yeah, that would. It, it, I forget because we, we did have that AI episode. Did we talk about the White House Electronic Bill of Rights? No. I, yeah. I so it's so. longer, and um, but you can go to WhiteHouse.gov or whatever and find the Bill of Rights. But it is this shockingly forward-thinking document about. In the future, we are going to need this and this and this. We need something to ensure consumers' rights against being biometric data. We need their data rights, like all of these digital rights and outlooks to be um, in place. And it was kind of interesting to see our government look forward instead of, uh oh, we've created a mess. How do we fix this? So, really, really interesting. And even more forward thinking than like a lot of the Scandinavian countries, which are kind of always on top of these types of things. So that was pretty neat to think, uh, to, to see. Uh, but speaking of that facial recognition, a bicameral group of lawmakers on Tuesday introduced legislation that would prevent the federal government from using facial recognition and other biometric technologies. The bill, endorsed by several several civil liberties, easy for me to say, civil liberties unions like uh, the ACLU and the Electronic Frontier Foundation would prohibit federal agencies from using facial recognition, uh, including voice recognition or face scanning surveillance tech. Further, it would prohibit the use of federal dollars on biometric biometric surveillance systems. A 2020 audit by Congress arm found that 18 of the largest 24 federal agencies deployed facial recognition technology. 18 out of 24 of them already did that. And reports suggest that technology is far more likely to misidentify minorities. The legislation has been introduced twice before in 20 and 2021, but it stalled both times. Mm. Ooh, so we will see. All right. Well, this is this could be promising. Why don't you read this next one? So a congressman wants to make a 32-hour work week U.S. law to, quote, increase the happiness of humankind. Definitely destined for failure. Yeah. <laughs> His proposal would mandate overtime pay for any work done after 32 hours, which would encourage business businesses to either pay workers more for longer hours or shorten their week and hire more people. The bill applies to non-exempt workers who typically work hourly jobs across leisure and hospitality, transportation, construction, manufacturing, wholesale, and retail trade. The serious conversation about the reduced work week are happening for white-collared professions. But what my bill will do is spur conversation about how we democratize your norm uh, this norm for other sectors of the workforce, so so everyone benefits. You yeah. socialist scum. <laughs> well, I was just uh, hearing stuff uh, about they originally wanted when we arbitrarily decided forty hours was the biblically mandated right. amount of work that it took to earn things. Um, they were trying to get a 30 hour one, but then there was negotiations or whatever, and they all settled on forty. So it's all just so arbitrary, but people get so upset. With, yeah, and that could increase happiness of humankind. Um, blah blah blah. Oh, I guess I want a little bit more of it. Oh, sorry. So, Mark, can money buy happiness? Um, historically, my my understanding of that is is there's a definitely a curve that peaks and then falls off uh, pretty uh, steadily. Uh, the more money you get. And so there's the fundamentals that you need. And uh, in order to get your, uh, you know, home, a roof over your head yeah, and, the and meals and, 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 you know, square meals and, and those things, increasing money has a very sharp, direct proportion of happiness up to a point where then you're just having money Right. Uh, and after that, it peaks and then there's a slow tail as the more money you get, the more problems you have and and more I that Socrates that said that says, more yeah. money, more problems. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the how I was going to uh, how I knew it as well. And this kind of builds on that. Two prominent researchers came to this conclusion, uh, the conclusion that yes, it does. It does make you happier in a joint study published this month in the proceedings of the national Academy of sciences, my favorite proceedings <laughs> overturning their dominant are the dominant thinking that people are generally happier as they earn more with their joy leveling out when their income hits $75,000. So yeah, that 
is how I heard it too. Around seventy to eighty thousand yep. dollars is where that happens. Uh, the, that threshold was initially post uh, posited by a Nobel Prize winning economist and psychologist in 2010 that concluded that emotional well-being being also raises with log income, says the scientists, uh, but no further progress be- beyond seventy five thousand dollars. But in 2021, these researchers uh, are Killingsworth, who is a happiness researcher and senior fellow. Hello, fellow at the University of Pennsylvania's Horton School. He found that happiness does not plateau after $75,000 and that, quote, experienced well-being could continue to rise with income well beyond $200,000. So happiness for us had just got much further away. (laughs) Uh, They studied 33,000 people um, and... Oh, between 18 and 65 and who were employed with a household income level at least 10,000 a year. The author said they lacked data for those earning over 500,000. To measure the happiness, participants were asked to report on their feelings at random intervals in the day via smartphone. Uh, he said in an email that the data came back from repeatedly pinging people at randomly timed moments during the day life, during daily life and asked about their happinesses at that moment. It's like that app that's going around now where you take a picture and it does the front and back camera at the same time. What's that called, that app? Oh, I don't know. It's very popular right now. Uh, specifically, they were asked, quote, how do you feel right now on a scale ranging from very bad to very good? The study reached two big conclusions. First, that happiness continues to rise with income, even in the high range of income for the majority of people, showing that for many of us, on average, having more money can make us increasingly happier. But the study also found there was an unhappy minority, about 20 percent whose unhappiness diminishes with rising income up to a threshold then shows no further progress. These people tend to experience negative miseries that typically cannot be alleviated by earning more money. So in other words, they're housing secure and all of that. Just basic sense of ennui, I guess. (laughs) The report cites examples such as heartbreak, bereavement, or or clinical depression. so in the simplest terms, this suggests that for most people, larger incomes are associated with greater happiness. The exception is for people who are financially well off, but unhappy. Uh, for instance, if you're rich and miserable, money won't help. For everyone else, the money was associated with higher happiness to varying degrees. So hmm. now we know what we kind of all knew was the truth, even though we all repeated that same lie. That's how indoctrinated we all are. <laughs> Uh, tell us about fungus and John Wick. Oh, the lipopeptides. Uh, <laughs> so scientists name fungus killing substances after John Wick star Keanu Reeves. The lip, lipopeptides kill so efficiently that we name them after Keanu Reeves because he, too, is extremely deadly in his roles. Study. Except desperate <laughs> co-author Sebastian Gutzi. <laughs> who is sick of people Googling his last name and not finding information about him. Oh, Oh, Uh, poor Gutsy. Sorry, mom. Don't Google that. Don't Google that. In an article from German's uh, uh, Leibniz uh, Institute for Natural Product Research and Infection Biology, and the substance name after the John Wick stars, environmentally friendly, the researchers say, Keanomycins, as they're called, <laughs> Keanomycins, uh, are biodegradable and leave no permanent residues in the soil, according to researchers. Weird. I do know that um, Gary Larson, who is the guy who did the Far Side comic strip, has some different like amoebas or whatever named after him, too, which is pretty cool. All right. Well, this article is long, so let's jump into it. Um Many differences between liberals and conservatives may boil down to one belief, says this. (laughs) this. They are wrong. (laughs) Psychologists have long suspected that a handful of fundamental differences in worldview might underline the conservative liberal rift. 40 years of research has shown that, on average, conservatives see the world as a more dangerous place than liberals. This core belief seemed to help explain many policy disagreements, such as conservative support of gun ownership, Border enforcement and increased spending on police and military all uh, can argue which uh, protect the people. But instead, we find that the main difference between the left and right is... Oh, where's my... The main difference between the left and right is... (laughs) 
belief that the world is inherently hierarchical. Conservatives, our work shows, tend to have higher beliefs than liberals in a hierarchical world. Am I saying that right? That's one of those words that is possible. It's like just all open vowel sounds. Hierarchical. That's the new vulnerable. (laughs) Say that. I want to hear you say hierarchical, (laughs) Nate. Um, Which is essentially the view that the universe is a place where lines between categories or concepts matter. A clear understanding of that difference could help society bridge political divides. Um, The team was undertaking an ambitious effort to map all the most basic beliefs that people hold about the world they share. We call those tenets primal world beliefs or primals for short. They reflect what people think is typical about the world, things like beauty or that life is... (laughs) That most things are beautiful or that life is usually pain Pain and and suffering. suffering. Uh, We suspect these beliefs hold important implications. So um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's basically um, that the lines between all of these things are black and bold and necessary and eternal uh, on one side. And on the other side, there, there are no lines. Things flow. Like all of that is kind of the spectrum. And so when you see people literally hardlining things right that's what we're doing in our heads so Hmm. i would say a varied mix of the uh two is probably the most uh reasonable reasonable yes thank you my brain just went it's like now those new cars where you stop at a stoplight and the whole thing just shuts down (laughs) so anyway yeah i found that to be to be really interesting and helpful in i think it's it's talking about um how that's helpful in bridging the gaps uh, for imagine, for instance, trying to convince a conservative to adopt, to adopt a more liberal policy on transgendered rights. If you assume their belief is informed by fear of danger, like we've always kind of thought, and um, we would probably note that transgender people are must, more likely to be assaulted than to assault anyone. But because they're more looking at things like the hard lines between um gender and men and women and stuff like that addressing things like um ambiguous um genitals that you are born with because i think there's like 27 different medical conditions that that result in that that might be a more reasonable line to kind of make more in ways as opposed to keep meeting resistance and that would work both ways too it's basically just i guess understanding the intent of the other person and speaking Mm. to that so Take us to take us to Canada, Mark. All aboard. So Amtrak is about to offer Portland to Canada trips. I've often I've, I've looked for how to I do that. I guess I didn't really past. realize they hadn't. Yeah, I knew that they you could get to Seattle, Seattle. and just you know north to Everett or whatever. Yeah, uh, and that was kind of it. That's and then crazy. You had to take a bus the rest of the way. So now trains will leave Portland about three o'clock in the afternoon and arrive in Vancouver, BC at eleven p.m. Yeah, I haven't taken a train in so long. We used to do that every summer from Southern Cut. We took the Golden. Yeah. Oh, they, I forget what they called it, the Golden Coast, because it just goes all yeah. the way up the one hundred and one coast and it's so beautiful all the way up to Seattle. Well, there's been a lot happening the last couple weeks with insulin and it's been interesting because in one of my classes we're writing policy papers and there's a mom that has um a uh, a daughter who is who was um, born diabetic and needs insulin and you know would show us the tiny little vials and be like she needs five of these a month and they're five hundred dollars each or whatever and all of a sudden out of the blue eli Lilly announces guess what it's only 35 dollars and that came after um Biden's announcement that anyone on Medicare, that price would be capped at $35. So Eli Lilly was like, look how great we are. We just believe everyone should be alive because they know what's coming and want to get ahead of it, which is fine for them. And so now other uh, drug makers had done the same thing. Uh, San Sanofi is the latest cutting the price of Lantus. It's most widely prescribed insulin product in the United States and establishing a $35 cap. The move followed similar ones by Eli Lilly and Nova Nordisk. This month, three companies dominate the global insulin market. They've been under scrutiny and government pressure to lower their prices as more people with diabetes in the wake of the Inflation Reduction Act, which is what capped it at $35. Um, blah, blah, blah. 70% uninsured Americans are invel- uh, eligible which enables them to buy a $35, a 30 a day supply, all of that. Um, 
But what was interesting and what my classmate didn't know is that insulin is very old. It's basically penicillin old. Like we've known about it for a long time. People literally need it to stay alive, but can't get generics because kind of like how Disney keeps extending the Mickey Mouse patent, which actually is finally going to um, to elapse or whatever. They keep changing, changing it just a little bit so that they can keep it under patent so that nobody can see what it's made out of. But this um, upcoming is that patent is going to finally lapse. And so there will finally be able to be generals. But I mean, like a hundred years of a company keeping life-saving thing cheap, life-saving things, a secret only to gouge people who are on their deathbed. And America's like, Oh, where's my wild applause? Button? Do I have any? America, what do we think of that? Yeah. Capitalism. So, yeah, that will be interesting. And I mean, there's just going to be more and more pressure for these companies to do that because thankfully these, this next generation is, is not going to take that bullshit. Um, so that is some good news, especially if that is medicine you need to be staying alive or keeping your children alive. One last story, and this is this. Okay, so the Portland Trailblazers unveiled their new mascot, a hipster beanie-wearing Bigfoot named Douglas Fur, and that is digging up uh, and reimagining a forgotten relic from the past to partner with Blaze the Trail Cat, who must be their current um, mascot, for games, community events, and other public appearances. The Blazer... The Blazers used to have a doozy. This whole article is insane. This, the Blazers used to have a doozy of a creature that roamed old Memorial Coliseum in the 1980s. It was a gen- gigantic furry beast that towered eight feet tall and wore enormous shoes and red sunglasses. Blaze originally hails from the Cascade Mountain Range. Uh, so here's okay, yeah. Here's everybody. Get do we have some background music? Here is the story of Blaze that they wrote as an article that they sent out. Blaze originally hails from the Cascade Mountain Range. He, um, this is a giant Sasquatch, by the way. He was abandoned many years ago and brought to the Oregon Humane Society, where, to his good fortune, Hall of Famer Scotty Pippen found him. <laughs> Pippen adopted Blaze, and he roamed the Moda Center ever since. Or maybe this is the ca- no Blaze, the Trail Cat, I guess. So all the while, it turns out Douglas Fur, which is the Sasquatch has been hiding in the hills of Forest Park, roaming its 80 miles of hiking trails, blending in with the urban wilderness and other unshaven local hikers and explores camouflage in true hipster outdoor attire, says this cringe-inducing article written by a 70-year-old. Douglas, as the story goes, was too shy to service in society, so he passed his days playing solitaire, eating his favorite eating his favorite vegan dish and drinking cold brew. Yep. There he is. <laughs> Look at that face. It's Good Lord. Terrifying. Eating his favorite vegan dishes and drinking cold brew. Then one day while Douglas was extracting sap from his last craft boo crew, like my brain isn't letting me do this. It, it, it thinks I'm becoming complicit. He was extracting sap from his last craft boo I cannot say craft brew. It's like real world road rules challenge. Uh, Blaze discovered the beast in the woods. They became fast friends and Blade showed his new buddy who he named Dougie, the joy of basketballs and the Blazers. Douglas Fur, who stands about seven feet tall, wears a red and black plaid vest and a red beanie featuring a Blazers pinwheel logo. The team commissioned a life-size wooden carving of him, which will be in permanent display in Kid City on the 300 level of the Moda Center. And the new mascot will be featured on a limited edition Nike Bike Town Bikes Around Portland. Blaze has discovered Bigfoot and proven once and for all that Bigfoot is real. All right. Good night, Bike. Thank you for watching. Are we supposed to pronounce it bikey town? <laughs> Nike bikey town? Right. Or Nike bike town? I, it's Pick one. Pick a lane, <laughs> Nike, if that is your real name. <laughs> Nike bikey. I love that Nike bikey I town. I always thought that that was the thing. Like, it Nike, could be. I don't know.
I guess I've only read it and didn't figure in my head that maybe you pronounce it that way. Nike Bikey Town. <laughs> oh, I'm going to think that every time I see that. Ah, <laughs> <coughs> uh, all right. Well, any other news to add to that pile? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I won't talk too long because I mostly wanted it to be a cozy cast. But um, months ago, when you were gone and I had our series of guest hosts, uh, our friend Nate Heath, speaking of, um, where do I have? Vulnerable. 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 What was the word I needed him to pronounce now? Um, Hierarchically. Hierarchical. Hierarchical. Um, but he had a subject on moral panics on the show and, okay. and walked us through a couple of those and stuff like that. And in I had a policy class this last term, uh, which I'm not super excited about policy, very dry, very whatever. My professor was awesome. And and so I was like, well, how am I going to keep myself engaged in this class through this term? Because we had to write uh, three papers, one about a past policy, one about a present policy, and then proposing a future policy. And so the professor had handed out um, this bibliography she's putting together for a book that she's writing. And I was kind of scrolling through the different topics and I saw moral panic there. I was like, Oh, interesting. Do moral panics lead to law, actual laws and legislations and, and um, policy and stuff like that. And of course they do. And there are moral panic policies everywhere and we're experiencing moral panics now. And so we talked about it then, and I wasn't as knowledgeable about some hallmarks of moral panics that I kind of found was interesting and what they led to. So I figured I'd just kind of sum up the papers I wrote because as boring as policy can get, it's, you can find some interesting angles and, and, and interesting things. And so the first one was about a moral panic started by an article that was ran in one of the big women's journals of the time that it was called The Toy That Kills. And it was all about switchblades because in the media, there was rebel without a cause. There was West side story was going to be a big move. Like there was all of this. Everybody's in a cool gang hanging out in the street, snapping their fingers and singing songs or whatever. <laughs> and so there was a big panic about, Oh my gosh, these gangs are everywhere and they've all got switchblades. We saw that. And right. so this article kicks off a big panic that, um, gets switchblades, um, uh, makes them illegal, which is weird because of the way knives are manufactured. You can, it's kind of like the bump stock or the, like what we call assault weapons aren't really assault weapon type thing. And so even today there's all these weird and random from state to state, different laws about gravity knives. They call some of them where you can like whip it out and it will stick, but it's only a switchblade. If it's a spring act, like all of these different things, um, and then the, the current policy I did, I looked into all of these policies about um, people outlawing people with saggy pants. Ah, yes. Which was also interesting. And so so one of the things, you, one of the ways you can tell something beca- begins to become a moral panic is that it, it is not based in, in reality, basically. Right. There's no way to measure it and there's nothing that being proposed will fix the problem that doesn't exist in other words like but I'll, in i'll know it when i see i'll know it. when i see it yes what i forget who is that with a uh the, about Hustler. porn and the, yeah that's right Hustler, i don't yeah. know what porn is but i know when i see it um <clears throat> but they all result in finding this marginalized population of society that is already probably being over policed to police them more because they are the problem to this existential threat there was no data or evidence that switchblades were dangerous at all. That and after they were outlawed, that didn't change because they, there was no like there was no cause and effect of any kind. But that never stops the moral panics because it's more about you can't measure success because there is no problem. The point was to manage micromanage the segment of society, and so we get to saggy pants, which. People are get aghast at, even though you're not seeing nudity, you're not seeing you're seeing someone's boxer shorts or whatever. But there's an offense to polite society and the status quo. And because there's nothing illegal about it, you make the existence of the marginalized community illegal. Like they cannot exist in a way that we have not said, oh, but that's going to be illegal now the way you wear your pants. And even 
in all these laws, it's like, well, saggy pants are. So why why do you think if you were if you were on the HOA board and wanted to outlaw saggy pants, what would your reasoning be? What are, My what is the children? Threat? The yeah. children. We've got to think about the children. Won't somebody please Please. think of the children? I mean, what are they going to think? How am I going to explain that? And, you know, and what will they do based on this behavior? Like we're normalizing that. They're just going to walk around with their pants down. Yeah. 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 You'll always hear, won't someone please think of the children, which is the trans issue right now is all, won't someone please think of the children? Um, so yeah, they would the the thing with saggy pants. The story goes, and there's not even a lot of proof for this, is that saggy <clears throat> pants are started in prison a because it was a sign to show that you were sexually available to people who were looking. And I'm they like, I don't think have, they have to do that in prison. <laughs> I think they the didn't biggest, have hankies. The, <laughs> that's right. They didn't have one feather earring <laughs> or whatever that was hanging from their their cowboy hats. Um, Sorry. <laughs> uh, so it was either a sign in prison for that, or the other story goes is that um, they don't give prisoners belts. And so you just get whatever clothes you have, whether or not they fit or not. So they sag, then they get out of prison and they just keep wearing their pants like that. And so it's either pro crime or it is a invitation to become a gang member or a sign that you want to become a gang member or something like that. And in a lot of these cases, which it's interesting that so many get passed because they are just wildly unconstitutional. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And it's crazy because that doesn't matter. And often they get overturned, but there was a scenario where if they were going to blame if authority figures were going to blame saggy pants for um, being a gang sign, there was established uh, in the, in the early seventies, there's something called the Spence test. And the Spence test was named after this guy um, named something or other Spence. And during the anti-war movement, he was in Berkeley. He hung an American flag upside down outside his house and put a peace sign on it and like something else to, to protest the war. And so, of course, people wanted to like flag desecration, this and that. He's like, no, this is free speech. And so the Spence test is somebody. So he hung out a symbol that had a very specific message. I am anti-war. Anyone walking by, whether they agreed with him or not, would be able to say, yes, that is he is protesting the war by doing that. So it sends a sends a singular message that anyone walking by can understand. So that's the Spence test. And if you make that, um, if you meet that criteria, you are protected under the first amendment. But if I'm an authority figure saying, wait a minute, you, you, um, you are making a singular message by taking your pants down or whatever, then you have to prove, yes, they had a singular message of, I am advertising for this specific gang or yeah, right. like whatever. And you can't, there is, right. there is no message. Right. And so it was an interesting little thing that they, if they wanted to treat it one way, then they couldn't, they would like disprove themselves by getting into the like weird legal entanglement. Um, but there are shocking, I did that as current policy and there are, I mean, right now, still several places that you can be. One kid got arrested for wearing a backwards baseball cap that like didn't have any writing on it or anything because that was some sort of threat or some sort of signal. And it's just to micromanage populations that are already vulnerable to other things or outcasts or fill in the blank that they are not like Mm -hmm. the status quo. And there's no escaping it because it's not based on anything. So you can change your, I mean, just like we did with gays. I mean, that gays used to be what we did to trans people. Well, now it's not quite as acceptable. So now we've morphed. And even though trans people have existed, drag has existed forever. Now it's a threat to the children. Can you measure that? Well, no, it only shows transgendered people are the targets of crime and suicide because of how society treats them. But it makes polite society uncomfortable. We don't understand it. Won't someone please think right. of the children? Right. And so, and like you can see, even there's a moral panic involved in something like universal basic income. Like we're so indoctrinated to work 
what we think work is and what it's worth and how we earn it. Like there's that more, everyone's going to just become bums and what are, what are we going to do without job? Like there's all moral panic, just woven in any, all that McMartin preschool stuff, all of the, in the eighties with the child molestation and all of the satanic panic. And there is never any data to support what is being said. And then what is being said just shifts so that they can get the real target, which is just to manage this part of society that they are feeling out of control with. So it's really, really fascinating. There's just so much psychology involved in even things like policy. And like my, the professor who I really liked, but is just like, if you would guess what either a Berkeley or PSU social justice social worker warrior would look like you know they totally fit that bill and she's a great she's an older lady or whatever and she was going on and on about defund the police and how she was just at a thing and like it's looking hopeful and i was like and this is kind of an office hours thing we're having back and forth and i was like well you know i i hate to harsh your mellow or whatever but you're not getting anywhere with that name. Is that ever discussed? Is that thing, is that something that people inside the movement ever talk about? She's like, well, what? And I said, defund the police is the worst name. Like you might as well name it, you know, dirty, stinky, (laughs) poopy fart or whatever. (laughs) Like no one cares because of what you called it. This is marketing. This is how you communicate your ideas. And the left is terrible at it. And she's like, huh? (laughs) <laughs> and the dang now for the rest of the term, every time she talked about, she's like, ah, I know there's problems with the name. She, I, uh. I felt her like <laughs> internalizing it. And I was right. just like, it is shocking that we're all so removed from each other that like that uh. discussion doesn't come up. Right. Like it's right. not even thought of. And right. it's like, it's wild to me. But yeah, I thought that was funny how every time after that she is. <laughs> had been chewing on that in her head. Yeah. So what are ways to uh, respond to moral panics, you know, constructively to promote, I think actually or critical thinking, I think that article that we kind of read um, before in the news section about like, what are the differences between the two parties in general and how are they thinking is how you drive that. And I, I feel like, especially with something like, like uh, trans issues, all we can do is just keep showing, you know, a, the evidence that this doesn't, these quote unquote crimes don't exist. And I, I don't think they're getting moral panics are getting harder, but they're, they're meeting more resistance now, I think, which makes them swell a little bit more because then there's an emotionality involved. But I mean, I don't know. It's sort of like mass hysteria or like when you're in a big crowd, I don't know that there is a good way or a way to stop them because I think it is just human nature. I mean, there's a lot of leftist moral panic about how bad the environment is. Like we all grew up with that. The sky is falling type of environment. Like we have five years or whatever. And it's like, well, no, you know, and that's, I think it's just ingrained with us. And I think as long as we can see, identify like who is being targeted here and it's usually that vulnerable population. And I think that's what we speak to under the guise of like America is this. So if I'm appealing to someone who has more conservative issues, this is constitutional. Like you have every right to not want to be around someone who is trans, has red hair, wears plaid, whatever. Great. Cool. But your opinion does not get to become law. Right. Like we are under America, you know, and just approaching it that way, which doesn't work. Right. But all we can do is plant that little, oh, defund the police is a terrible name. Like that's all we can do is just plant that right. little thing. And I think just not being, and I don't mean to throw parents under the bus, but I think it is something that happens when you have kids and you really do realize how threatening the world is because right. you see it in a way that you haven't seen before. And a lot of those threats are real. And when you're like, well, how much time do I spend digging into heavy metal music and Satanism. Like that's bad. Like that's an easy thing to just say no to. Like I have much more complex issues. Like that's a bad thing. Yes. Let's all be against that. So I can feel like I'm in control of what is safe. And I think it is just a lot of self-reflecting of like, wait, what am I, 
what am I saying here? How does this play right. out? I guess. Right. It's so like, I'm anti-trans. What's my like, role in this? And how yeah. far? Yeah. And is my open, I, I am so sick of hearing from everyone like, well, this is just my opinion. And I'm like, it's not when you vote on your opinion, it becomes law. Right. And like, you're great to have your own opinion, but we need to understand what that happens when you're a person with power, when you're a person right. with a voice, when you're this and that. And, so yes, sadly there are no ways to avoid moral panic, um, but it's just being more and more aware of how they function as, as something. So I'm going to go back and listen to that um, episode with Nate Heath too. I'm excited to look yeah. back on that now that I'm a little more knowledgeable about that. Well, I'm going to wrap up as fast as we can so that there's only one file to deal with when I, okay. when I do this. So thank you everyone for coming back and listening. Mark, it was great to sit here uh, with you again. Uh, and we will see everyone next week. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. <laughs> but he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye.